Hi there, mamas. Have you been having trouble getting your kids to sleep early? How about establishing their sleeping routine? Are they getting the right amount of sleep at all? What is sleep training? How do you sleep train? When do you start sleep training? Oh, mamas, all these will be answered inside this episode together with my very special guest. So mamas, see you inside. Hey mama friend, welcome to the Mommypedia podcast. Are you a first-time mom who's wondering if you're doing it right? Are you struggling to know how to properly take care of your little one? Do you wish you had a pediatrician friend in your pocket so you can get answers anytime and stop second-guessing every decision you make? I'm Dr. Jet. I'm a pediatrician with two little boys myself and after practicing for two years, I ended up being a stay-at-home mom because my firstborn had a medical condition. Yes, I'm a pediatrician, but I too struggled with first-time mom problems like breastfeeding, my son being in the hospital, and I was battling postpartum blues and lost my self-worth. In this podcast, I will be here as your new BFF Pediadoc who's going to be giving you weekly advice on all your first-time mom problems, from that really bad diaper rash the baby isn't sleeping through the night, and all the way to feeling lost and overwhelmed yourself. We have got solutions for you. I can't wait to walk this motherhood journey beside as your new dog bestie that you can have in your pocket. There's no need for a waiting room, mama. Just pop your earpods in and let's talk. Alright mamas, like I said, I have one super special guest for all of you and she will help us go through the questions about better sleep and sleep training for our kids. It is truly an honor mamas, truly an honor having her and I really enjoyed the conversation that we had. But before I introduce you, my special guest, I have to tell you that you might be noticing a difference in the sound because we recorded the interview or the conversation separately and I also recorded the introduction separately just because I wanted to emphasize on Mommy Ria's introduction because everything that she does and her mission really is really inspiring. So here's our special guest, Mamas. She's Mommy Ria Lopez. She is a mother of three boys. She's an educator and a lawyer, (laughs) right, Mamas? She is a certified sleep consultant as well and a behavior specialist. She is the founder of Himbing Sleep and Parenting Solutions and she educates parents on healthy and safe habits for better sleep. Her mission is to raise healthy, happy, kind, responsible, and resilient kids. Amazing, right? So there you go, mamas. Here is our conversation that I so much enjoyed, as well as so many learnings that I also got, and I hope you will also learn so much as well. Let us start with, because we want to get to know you also. You know, for everyone who's here, you know, mommies, I actually, the reason I approached Mommy Ria was that a lot of you has have been asking me about tips on how to sleep train or how to make your kids sleep earlier. So I was looking for sleep training coach here in the Philippines. I didn't really know if there was one, but then I was... I was searching in Facebook and I got to discover him being that age and I got to to discover also 
Mommy Ria, and I read through her profile. It was so interesting, got so interested, and that's why I reached out to her. You know, we want to know more about you, Mommy Ria, especially about how you turned from being a lawyer and then a sleep training coach. Thanks, Doc Jet. You know, that's a super common question. I think the answer there is really motherhood, <laughs> right? Um, we really don't know what's going to happen when we have our kids. I think that's why we're all listening about we love our kids but sometimes we just don't know what to do <laughs> with them we i wish there was a manual um and that was one of my struggles as a first time mom so my first son didn't sleep well um and i thought it was normal you know the carrying all day all night it latching all the time it actually wasn't a problem until it became a problem wherein he didn't gain weight um at his 10th month right and i think you know that, or every time you go to your pediatrician, diba, doc, did my baby grow? Doc, did they gain weight? And so, uh, my son's weight and height plateaued, and parang we dipped on the scale. So parang my pediatrician was like, okay, can you make lista what you're doing? So every day I had to write milk, sleep, um, diaper output, uh, solids, everything, like parang newborn <laughs> tracking. And then when I went back a week later, he said, oh, Ria, you need more sleep. And I was like, but I'm doing everything. How can I get more sleep? And so that's what led me down the path of sleep training. Um, so then exactly what you said, Doc Jet, when you research, there's so much. There's so many conflicting answers, questions. Um, is it good? Is it bad? Is it harmful? <laughs> I could go on and on. But the bottom line was my doctor said, you do everything that you can to get your baby to sleep and everything will get better. So I did that. Um, I did a lot of uh, cry it out. I'll be honest. I always make cuento and I feel bad when I talk about it. And after I did that, to be honest, it really worked. After two weeks, my son was okay. By my next pediatric checkup, everything was okay. Um, but I wasn't happy <laughs> with what I did. So I said, okay, I'm going to research and I'm going to study. And I actually did it for me because I thought, I'm, I want to have another kid. Eh? So I'm going to do this properly the next round. And it so, just so happened that there are many, many sleepless parents as well. So I transitioned to um, giving classes, uh, finding clients, um, and then it just snowballed. So again, it's a need, right? So then when my son was okay with sleeping, it became tantrums as a toddler. <laughs> so then I studied some more. So I'm actually completing now my master's in psychology. I should finish this year. So hopefully, you know, I'll completely transition now to helping families thrive, I think, and parents. So that's really my long-term goal. So I'm happy that we have avenues like this in your podcast to help answer questions for parents so they don't feel so alone in what's happening. Yes, because it's so overwhelming, like you said. Yeah. So when you're a first-time parent, it's like trial and error. Eh? <laughs> I wish there was a manual. And that was the initial reason then for this podcast. Because a lot of questions from coming from moms and especially coming from first-time parents. And I love, you know, most of the questions about why did you become, why didn't you practice as a pediatrician because I'm a stay-at-home mom. Well, like you said, the answer is motherhood. <laughs> so it's good. It's good. Yeah, so excited. So I'm going to start with what is sleep training muna? Because sometimes my parents will ask, no, sleep training is new, having like a structure. Kailangan talaga ganitong oras matulog. And 
you know, thinking about it, actually, for me, when I first read about sleep training, I don't want to sleep train a newborn. I don't want to sleep train my child or my baby who's less than one year old. But, you know, a lot of articles then will say that it really helps. So conflicting child. I don't know if it's really that strict or if it's something else. So I want to know. No, let us know. Mommy Ria, now, what is sleep training? Okay. I Yeah, I totally understand. The first thing that everyone says is structure, routine. Wala na, wala ka ng life. It's sleep, sleep, sleep. That's it. I can't leave the house na. <laughs> so I understand why people are worried about it. Um, and the strictness. And I mentioned it earlier, the stigma of, of cry it out, attachment. But there's so many things. But the short answer, what I would say for sleep training is actually just allowing your child to sleep at the right times and on their own in the crib. So same thing, it's a personal choice of the parents, but I'll always flip it to say we're never really training the child. We're actually training the parents or educating ourselves to know how much sleep a child needs. Um, Because I think that's the biggest. Maybe I'll start there. As a first-time mom, I didn't know how much sleep was needed. I didn't know what a good nap looked like. I didn't know how many hours total. You know, all these little things. So then I guess it got packaged as sleep training because we put together everything to help your child sleep better from a good schedule, depending on their age. Let me split it up first. There's the newborn phase from zero to four months where there's no sleep training. That's really just following your baby's cues, doing everything that you can. <laughs> I say every, as long as you survived, you're okay now. <laughs> diba? Doing everything you can to keep them eating, sleeping, uh, pooping regularly. Uh, so whether that means holding, carrying, dancing, no problem. Or the newborn has no schedule. So don't stress about that for the our, our very new parents or expecting parents. It's okay. There's really none. There's a big change when the child turns four months. There's a lot of cognitive development. Even the nervous system is developed. You can see that shift from newborn to infant. And that's when you can see that Ah, okay, they're starting to have patterns na. You can feed at regular intervals. You can see that they're pooping maybe just once or twice a day rather than, <laughs> the newborn, every feed, there's a poop. <laughs> so as they get older, you can see that structure. You can already see their personality coming out. Parang you can see when they're tired. They're very responsive already. Uh, eye contact, they, they follow your voice. So all those small things tell you that your child is ready to uh, make good associations also with the crib. Um, the other thing that happens also at this age is the circadian rhythm or the body clock of knowing night and day comes in also. So, okay, so maybe I went a little bit far. But the point is, after four months, your tiny baby has a, it's just a tiny human. <laughs> I mean, you know, the same, the same way we work that we need, uh, again, certain no- number of hours of sleep. We know when it's dark and it's light. We are bothered by certain noises, right? That happens at the four-month mark. The The baby earlier is like, I call them really baby baby. They can sleep through everything, diba. <laughs> then biglang you hit that wall where if I could talk before with my baby sleeping, the, the, the door creaking lang will wake them up. So that's the phase where you start sleep training. I'll use air quotes here. Or just establishing their schedule, um, sleep routines and good habits for sleep. Basically, sleep training is really finding cues, establishing schedules, establishing routines. But it's 
different for every age group. Yes, correct. So it would depend on, well, many things. If your baby is not sleeping well, even as a newborn, then you might have to look for things in the environment like darkness, uh, quiet, that might be possible. But not strict sleeping in the sense, that, okay, I'm going to leave the baby and they can sleep on their own. Not really. It's more of thinking of improving the quality of sleep for the newborn. Then you have the four-month-old to maybe about a year, I would say. There's similar patterns there in terms of how many hours of sleep they need. And then the same cues of like the overtired crying or the yawning, the eye rubbing. We have to catch those things. And then um, for, well, actually, till a little bit one, maybe even four months to two years old, I'll do the same strategy. Then two years old and older, yeah, and that's a different phase because that's like full-blown toddlerhood. So you can talk to them, you can deal with tantrums, you can do more structured routines. So yeah, that's a correct assumption, Doc Jet. When you talk about sleep training or learning how to sleep, the approach will be different um, per age and per stage talaga. All right, right. So my next question is, when should it start? Start teaching them to, you know, code and code to sleep train. Like, what is the ideal age? Yeah. Um. Actually, so definitely the ideal age is after sixteen weeks. So let's backtrack a little bit. Also, um, right? We have an estimated due date, and what's full term? Doc, you count forty weeks, right? So if the baby was born at their fortieth week then 16 weeks from birth. But if they were born earlier, then you do what we call the adjusted age. We count their 16th week from the date they should have been born, not the birthday, right? So that's the earliest age. But my honest answer for when do you do sleep training is when the parent is ready. <laughs> like when they feel na the baby needs, let's say, well, Wikipedia recommended your baby needs more sleep, right? Then you do what you have to do. Or when you notice everything that you were doing for the newborn, let, let me go back to, because sleep training is independent sleep, right? Or the baby sleeping by themselves in the crib. So in the first few weeks of life, it's carry, cuddle, feed to sleep. Again, totally no problem. Very, very good to do that because your baby's sleeping. But let's say your baby hits 16 weeks or even four or five, six months when the carrying, rocking, latching is no longer working for anyone, right? I don't know if you experienced that with your kids. Now, there was a phase that you found finally found your certain rocking position. Okay, good. So everyone was sleeping. Then they go through a developmental leap and you're like doing the same thing, but they're not sleeping anymore. That might be a sign that you want to do sleep training because that means that, let's say, my caring or my rocking is more exciting to my baby than sleeping. Because then my baby will be so interested. Oh, wow, mama's still singing and dancing. I'll stay awake na lang now. <laughs> so that might be the time to consider the change. Again, to get the optimal sleep for your baby. And also, when the parent sees, sees those changes. that Because we always look at our babies as babies. Then there's a certain point when you see them as capable human beings, and you're like, ah, they can do this. So then, that's a good age. I hope that answers, because it's it's not a one-size-fit-all again, right? Yeah, I love that. 
it's not like okay i'm a new parent i'm gonna do this i'm gonna breastfeed i'm gonna sleep train it's not like like a structured thing but like a checklist or like a to-do list when the parent is ready or when a- because there's no wrong or right way naman to put your baby to sleep eh. it's really what works for your family and what works for your child so I, I, you're a parent of two diba? i'm sure you see the differences in your two children so like one child might have needed more structure you have another child who can sleep anywhere so it 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 will vary um yeah so same same for also a lot of families different and different backgrounds um my example is always my husband he can sleep anywhere <laughs> he can sleep even if I'm, if I'm talking to him or even if the baby's crying hi lou if you're listening <laughs> um but then then you have me if i'm sleeping and you open the door it's like i'm up right away so so same. Our babies have different temperaments. Um, I I get that comment a lot. Like, how come my baby won't sleep in the stroller when we're going out? And how come some babies are sleeping so well? Yeah. So my answer there is just, oh, that's okay. Your baby's just excited to be out in the world and explore. So we can't force them to sleep there. And then that's where the again the training part comes in. Ah, okay. My baby loves seeing people. So. If my baby loves seeing people, but I really need my baby to nap, then I have to go into another room. It has to be quiet because otherwise, it's just too much fun for for baby. <laughs> You're right. Like regarding with the temperament, my firstborn such a problematic sleeper until such a time that four years old, nasa dun na kami talagang more structured. But with my secondborn, it's pretty much a good sleeper ever since you. <laughs> He was still a newborn. Wala akong, I was actually, pre- I was preparing myself. Gulat na gulat niya ako. Kasi I was preparing myself. Okay, I'm gonna have sleep, sleepless nights all over again. Okay, here comes. So I was getting ready with my snacks, midnight. Then gulat ako. Tulog siya the whole, ako yung gising. Bakit hindi ito nagigising? Until now, wala akong problem sa kanya with regards to with sleep. So tama no, na they're actually different. So depend, it would really depend pa rin on on each child. So, wala talagang one size fits all. Ang question ko naman, kasi I get this question a lot na, so, my child is still a baby naman. Is it not stressful sa mga babies na less than 12 months old? Kasi the idea kasi of sleep train sa mga tao is iiwan sila sa kabilang room. And then we see this in other countries. You know, Filipinos, we love to keep our baby by our side, <laughs> co-sleeping. We see other countries now. Like my brother lives in Netherlands and they were reprimanded by their pediatrician na two years old, wala pang room yung anak nila. Kasi by one year old, dapat may sarili na daw room ko. Talaga? Ganyan kasi. So that's why I want to ask, can you sleep train or can you put it in a separate room a baby who's less than 12 months old that's a good question actually yes so when i studied obviously well my course was it was from the family sleep institute in the u.s so same exactly what you said the expectation is usually from after well if not day one from 16 weeks onwards, the baby has another room, really. And of course, this it was like culturally shocking. Like, what? They can stay in another room? And I understand. Your, the, I, and I have friends who also live abroad. And the, the doctors are wondering also why, why, right? So yes, it's a cultural thing. But if I could take this moment to be a little bit more nuisanced with the education for co-sleeping. Um, co-sleeping... 
let's let's like redefine it again. We we talk about bed sharing versus room sharing. So for, we don't have any regulations here in the Philippines. So I just follow the American Association of Pediatrics, right? I mean, uh, well, actually, doc, maybe that's something we should do. <laughs> ano naman, the Philippine Pedia Society also. Um, just to talk about safety, right? Because um, I'm sure, well, you can do a whole other episode on SIDS and sudden infant death syndrome. That's a different topic. But I think, let me just, before I go on to that, let's just talk about the safety of the child. So the main idea is, yes, as a, as a, as a Filipino family, as a very family-oriented culture, I would like the baby in the room with me, which is totally okay. And I tell parents, your baby can stay in your room until they're teenagers if that's what you want. It's totally fine. But when it comes to the, I guess, the fragileness and the frailness of our newborn and baby, we need to put them in their crib or bassinet. So you could have your bed and you can have the baby next to you in their crib or bassinet in their safe sleep space. So that's room sharing. Totally no issue. Um, versus bed sharing, which is you and your baby on the same bed. And again, we know that's not safe due to a falling hazard, uh, suffocation hazards, and all of that. So I think that's what I'd like to say um, on that note when we use the term co-sleeping. Now, in terms of sleep training, totally up to the parent if, if and when they're ready to put the baby in another room. If they want to sleep train at 16 weeks with the baby in their room, or below one in their room, totally okay also. Because going back to the American guidelines, they suggest room sharing until six months actually at a minimum. So that's okay also. Um, it just, what will happen is, if you want your child to sleep independently in their crib, in your room, the challenge here is, is that your room should only be for sleeping. Because also same thing as, as, as I guess as Filipinos, everything's in our room, our, our computer, our TV. That's where we hang out together, right? With your, with your partners and your other kids. Parang that's your bonding space. So the challenge lang will be using the room just for sleep. So for example, baby will go to sleep in their crib earlier than the parents because bedtime for babies is anywhere between 6 to 8 for a child below 1. But of course me as as my example I have to work, I have to I have to take care of my other children. So that means um my baby will be sleeping in the room. I will do everything outside of the room in the sala, in the dining, in the kids room. And then when it's time for me to sleep, I will go into the room where the baby is, but I will sleep only. I won't do anything else. Does, does that make sense? And if I'm and for parents who are totally so I'll go the opposite end. There are parents who are totally not comfortable leaving the baby alone, right? That's okay also. So if I super if I'm very if I want to stay with my baby all the time, when my baby goes to sleep, that just means I have to sleep also. <laughs> um and my recommendation is for parents if they want to use their phone to do it like under a, a thick comforter because we don't want the light to distract the child. So yes, you can you can room share forever <laughs> with your kids. No problem. Um but also I do encourage parents who want uh, a bit of their your couple time back or you know your bed and your big TV is there. Then whenever you're ready, your child can also stay in their own room. 
I totally agree with you that the bedroom should only be used really for sleeping. We made it a point also na walang TV. It's really supposed to be for sleep. My next question was supposed to be about co-sleeping, but you already mentioned it. Because it's very common here, especially since breastfeeding awareness. A lot of the moms now are breastfeeding already. So it's so difficult kasi to to have the babies in a separate room. They Usually they latch during the night. So how do you do that? Like, what is your advice for the breastfeeding moms naman who are co-sleeping or room sharing? Of course, they want to be independent at some point. No? <laughs> like for me, my, my son is two years old, turning three, but he still, still cannot sleep without him latching on, like feed to sleep. Well, first of all, I breastfeeding's well, the best choice, personal choice, best choice. I think it's another big myth that to sleep train, you shouldn't be breastfeeding or you have to stop breastfeeding in order to sleep train. They definitely don't go together. Let's do some myth busting. Um, exactly what you said, Doc Jet. You can breastfeed as long as you want, right? No problem. As long as it's working for your family, go for it. Um, so when it comes to breastfeeding and sleep training, it's a little bit more taxing on the mom, I'll be honest. Because I know, and I did it with my first son, it's really convenient to lie down, latch, go to sleep, latch. Then, you know, you're on the same bed. But let me go back to my story. My son fell off the bed. <laughs> so that was my that was my wake-up call also that I really had to use it. Because he had to use a crib, right? And also, as a first-time mom, I didn't know about SIDS. I don't know. Anyway. Or maybe I knew and I just ignored it because I it was just easier. So the goal again for breastfeeding moms, it's a bit of a struggle for you. Um maybe set up a comfy chair in your room also. So well if you can, your bed, the crib, and your nursing chair. So whenever baby needs to nurse, sorry mom, you have to stand up. Um or actually I have a better solution if you especially for the CS moms. Have your partner or helper or assistant stand up, <laughs> bring the baby to you, nurse, and have have your um your person put the baby back in the crib, right? Especially for the newborn phase. So that's the best support for partners. Because we do want to encourage breastfeeding, but we also need to encourage safe sleep. So again, I'll, my answer here is not really to the sleep training, but to the safety of the baby um in the crib. If that helps. And yes, so for example, uh, if you do want to sleep train, totally no problem. We just move for bedtime. The idea will be to do breastfeeding a few minutes earlier so that you have time to finish your routine with like a lullaby, a little rocking, hugs and kisses, and then put baby in the crib awake. So that's the before sleep part. And then if baby wakes up in the middle of the night, as recommended by your pediatrician, um, ask how many times they need to eat, depending on their age. When baby wakes up in the middle of the night, if they need to eat, no problem. Just pick them up, nurse, and then straight back into the crib again, and then re repeat until the morning. I was reading one of your posts, and it was mentioned there that uh, you shouldn't, parang, hindi dapat sila parang sanayin. I don't know if I got it right, na they associate sleeping with latching because madadala nila when they, you know, when they grow old na when they sleep, that's latching time. Just be clear again, the newborn phase, the zero to four months, 
what will be the norm is really latch and sleep. So totally okay again. Same thing. That's why it shifts at 16 weeks because their memory is very sharp. Or that's when they're starting to create that connection of, ah, okay, breast and sleep or sucking and sleeping. So it's the same. It could also, some parents will use pacifier, right? So same thing, newborn, no problem. It's Again, it's not a problem until it's a problem. So if you were to latch to sleep, put your baby down and baby sleeps peacefully for the required number of hours for their age, no problem. What will happen is that, let me go to the older child, the, f- the four to six month old, or even the toddler. Uh, they are expected to be able to sleep maybe four hour stretches, diba. Right? There's a certain age at four to six hours is their optimal stretch of sleep. Now, if I latch and I feed the baby and I put them down and they wake up every, every 30 minutes, every hour to latch again, that's where my problem begins because it's not age appropriate anymore. Again, that wake up, latch, wake up, latch, that's newborn patterns. Okay lang. But for my one year old to wake up, latch, wake up, latch every 30 minutes, it interrupts his sleep already. So then at that point, that's when I would consider na, ah, okay. He needs the latch to go to sleep and it's not working because it's a vicious cycle. So let's move the feeding earlier so that I can change his association to sleep with hugs, maybe the bed, the crib. And then that's where, the, the again, the quote-unquote training part comes in where we show our babies that the bed is where, or the crib is where you sleep. When you do sleep training, it's really more on associations. That's actually the right word. The The concept that they have, it's called object permanence. They yeah. remember, right, what happens before they sleep. So every time they wake up, they look for that. So that's why we, when we talk about independent sleep, it's really putting them down um, in the crib on their own so that when they wake up, because it's very normal or natural for humans, even us as adults, we wake up in the middle of the night. But the difference is when we wake up in the middle of the night, we know where we are. We know that, oh, it's dark. It's still nighttime. That's okay. So I'll go back to sleep. Again, the difference of our baby, the baby falls asleep with mama, wakes up in the middle of the night without mama, medyo panic, <laughs> right? And the only thing that will put baby back to sleep is being with mama or whatever that habit is, the mama, the boob, the, the dancing. So again, it's a cycle. Um, which can get hard if everyone is lacking sleep. But like if it's like like a one feed thing or a what, then it should be okay. Again, if it's working for your family, good. <laughs> if it's not working, then that's the time we change that association. Nice, 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 nice. Actually, ang mga are yung mga moms with toddlers four to six years old, even the, the toddlers and then the four to six years old na age group who are very late sleepers. I was actually coaching one mom, but her problem was initially about a sickness. And then it we talked more about you know how her, her kids are, the routines her kids are, and then it was as she was sharing with me that her kids sleep really late. Cause the nap times fall Parang end at six, if I can remember it correctly. It ends at six, so her kids sleep at eleven or twelve. So that was the that was the pattern. 
And then, so I mentioned about the napping times and everything. But when I also ask for advice from you, what can you teach these moms, the mga erratic sleeping hours, and particularly their nap times? It's really the lack of um education or information about maybe how sleep works. And because again, we're just told sleep is important, the nap is needed, the nap is necessary, which is also completely true. But timing is also important. So again, same thing. We I keep mentioning it, different ages, right? So naps very important for all children, I would say below three, three to four, right? That's when they start dropping their nap. However, um, with the erratic sleep schedules, I think, and of course, always confirm with your pedia or with your, your medical practitioner, it would be okay if you're trying to fix their schedule in the first few days, you might have to miss or cut the nap so that we can get bedtime to the right time. Because anyway, think of it like jet lag. <laughs> Everything's just all over the place. So to recover from jet lag, don't sleep first, right? Until it's the right time to sleep. So it will just take maybe a two-week adjustment if you do that. But generally, in terms of sleeping hours, we want to really preserve first overnight sleep. So meaning our child should get 10 to 12 hours at night. The If the nap encroaches that, so like that, that example, if my baby sleep or my toddler sleeps until 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, so then that means her bedtime becomes 10 o'clock, right? Or 11. Now, our children naturally wake up with the sun. <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced this with your kids, diba? No matter what time they sleep, if they sleep at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock, by mga 7 or 8, they're ready to face the day. Sometimes 6 o'clock, <laughs> right? Sabay with sunrise. They naturally wake up also between 6 to 8 a.m. So if I do that, automatically, they're kulang na sa tulog. They've only slept maybe six to eight hours. So our goal is to match their wake-up time. So if their wake-up time is eight o'clock, I count backwards 10 to 12 hours to maximize their sleep, and then that's their bedtime. And then from there, that's when I adjust the nap also. Does that make sense? So So we sort of have to completely fix first maybe removing the nap, maybe pulling bedtime extra early so that they can get some sleep. And then once you get them on that pattern, then the naps usually will happen at the right time. Or if for whatever reason, they had a really exciting day and they fall asleep late in the day, I tell parents it's the worst, but you have to wake them up <laughs> after a few minutes, even if they'll be really masungit, um, because I need to preserve night sleep. Is there like a timing, for example, their, their bedtime should be at 8 or 7, let's say it's 7. When should be like the nap time? What's the right timing for the nap time if 7 p.m. is the actual bedtime? Yeah, so so we're talking now about a toddler, like a 4-year-old, right? 3, 4, 5. So at this age, again, so we're aiming for the 12, 12 uh, 11 to 12 hours. So bedtime between 7 to 8 o'clock, right? So they wake up between maybe six to eight also so then i would say usually um for this age it's midday nap so you kind of just split your day so parang 12 hours sleep 12 hours daytime so then the nap is in the middle of the day. lunchtime shesta time talaga so ideally between maybe 12 to 2 um parang so so they'll sleep 
they'll wake up at 7 or 8. They're awake for about 5 hours, 5 to 6 hours. So until lunch, they'll sleep about 1 to 2 hours. Usually, I would say wake up by between 2 to 3 also. And then they're awake another 6 hours. So, yeah. So, parang their day is very balanced. I see, I see. Nice. Ang um, misconception kasi, dati kasi pinapagalitan ako ng, ng mommy ko. Kasi ang misconception ng mga lolas, wag mo silang gisingin pag, ano, pag nap times. Kasi hindi daw sila, you know, they won't grow. Yes. <laughs> Ikaw, ay, hindi. Kasi, I would be having problems later. Pagkagabi. I want them to sleep early kasi ayoko na nga mangyari sa second-born ko, yung nangyari sa eldest ko, who had very erratic sleeping hours. So ngayon, talagang ginigising ko, 3 o'clock, mag-cut-off na ko, 3 o'clock, gising na, gising na. Ganon. So, it's right pala na, you know, you have to preserve first the 12 hours na, na sleeping time talaga during the night, the night sleep. I want to tell also the moms na it's not going to be easy pagka, you know, sa simula, when they do start to sleep train, I had problems now when my son turned four. Kasi sleeps at 12, means than one. You know, there was even worse, no, 2 a.m. because he was napping until 7. My gosh. So, it turned, ang nangyari doon, no, my son was very sickly, you know, he had asked, frequent asthma attacks to the point na na-admit siya three times, no, for asthma. And then the triggers there, so they go, Okay naman with food, you know, okay wala naman kami ibang trigger. But the trigger there was really the lack of sleep and he was really very tired. And that was my fault. So that was the time na talagang, but it took us one year to really establish the routine. But right now, by 8 p.m. he's asleep. Sometimes at 7 he's asleep. So what's your experience ba with other parents na what's their usual time na na-achieve nila finally yung sleep training their children. Yeah, I understand. And I appreciate that you shared that it's really hard and it can take a long time. I think that's to- that's a realistic answer because, you know, again, we go back to the age of internet surfing. Then you'll see, you'll see mga make your child sleep in three days or parang, oh, they'll sleep in ten days. Um, Same thing, no? It really depends. Actually, again, that's why it's parent training. Because it depends on how well I can be strict about implementing the routine and schedule. So usually when families come to me, it's really because there's a need. Na. <laughs> there's a need for sleep because um, so, yeah, someone's always getting sick or the child is falling asleep in class or right. Um, lack of sleep has also been um, linked to maybe behavioral and attentional problems. I mean, it's not a be-all, end-all, but obviously we know, even as us as adults, when we lack sleep, we can't focus on anything, right? So there's usually a need already, or like that, their child is sleeping at 12, and they need to go to school the next day and wake up at 7. So those things, Um, and if you're driven by that, and you're very, very consistent, you can probably fix your child's schedule, hopefully in about a month. But that's really super um to talk like strict or strictness level <laughs> very high, so that your child learns how to sleep. So also another maybe it's a good time to myth bust that because I sleep train my child, I'm stuck forever on this path. No, I think maybe you know with your son, it's not really true. But the most crucial part is the first few weeks to learn the skill 
right? To get your child well rested again, we call it to recover from the sleep deficit. So that's the hardest part, um, to establish new rules and boundaries, um, and for the whole family to kind of adjust also. And once that happens, once you finally get all the pieces together, your child will sleep better, your ch- your whole family will sleep better, will sleep longer. Then, of course, in another month or two, it's going to be someone's birthday. It's going to be Christmas again. You're, you want to, summer's coming up. We want to go on vacation. Don't worry. You're not a, a slave to your schedule because at that point, once your child is well rested, they become more flexible and adaptable to go on those trips, to go on those weird flight times. Because they won't be cranky anymore. I mean, yes, a little cranky because it's weird. They're not getting their sleep. But they'll be able to enjoy that vacation. You'll be able to make salubong someone's birthday or enjoy Christmas Eve. And then the next day or after the next few days when, you know, the holidays die down, you just go back to your regular schedule. So, yes, don't be scared (laughs) about the stringent schedule. It's really just in the initial so that everyone's on the same page and well-rested. And after that, life goes on. So even me now with my kids, yes, I'm very strict because I love it. I love that 7 to 8 o'clock bedtime. <laughs> I'll be honest. So it's the best thing for me. But I also understand that, you know, it's let's say it's my mom's birthday. They want to go out to dinner. So if my child is old enough to, to tolerate, yes. But then I'm also very strict. When they were babies... I wouldn't keep them up for Christmas Eve because they'll just be crying. But now that the older two are four and six, they stayed up na um this last holiday season and they go out for dinner already for special occasions. So it's totally okay. And like today, a regular school night, they were sleeping also naman by before eight o'clock. I, I honestly also love the seven to eight you no know, bedtime routine because it gives me more time. <laughs> Also with us, no, my husband, my husband and I, it gives us also more time, you no, know, to be together, to talk to each other, no, wala more kids, because we also need that. Yeah, I really love, no, I really love na finally na na sleep train ko ang dalawang kids ko. It's so it's honestly so liberating, because with with my firstborn, I was always so stressed. I was always so stressed apart from because gising pa siya and I need to work on something. I can't work because gising pa. And it's it's like a vicious cycle, like you said. Because the following day, we're both cranky. So I would really love to encourage moms who are listening right now. Yeah, you know, if you cannot like do it on your own, do approach no mommy Ria. Or just pagtambay ka lang kayo sa page ni Maria. Daming daming yun na malalama. I mean, matutunan don. With this, now I want to thank you, mommy Ria, for for everything that you've shared. So much nuggets that I learned personally, and I'm sure the moms here who are listening right now and we would like to know more about your classes or your courses. Where can we reach you? Thank you, Dr. Jet. Yeah, well, before I do that, I think I appreciate what you said that you shouldn't get pressured. No, the sleep training culture, I think, can also, well, actually, motherhood culture can be very, I don't know, stressful, pressure pressure filled i mean diba it's voices coming from everywhere um but i think if there's anything that we discussed today doc jet is really um the importance of sleep and prioritizing that and when we talk about sleep training it doesn't have to be sleep training in the sense that you research it but exactly what you said okay 
my child needs to sleep earlier. What can I do to make it happen? Um, and then it works for your whole family. So I think we can approach it that way, that it's not that scary, no? Um, and yes, and I love talking about sleep. So you can find me on hinbing.ph. I have a website or Instagram or Facebook. Um, and you can also email me maria at hinbing.ph. Currently, um, I do one-on-one consultations with families because like I said earlier, it's not a one-size-fit-all. But General talks like this um, are helpful. So I do have some recordings, I think, um, on YouTube. And sometimes I get invited to talk. So I will I will just post. Um, but yeah, uh, the mom communities are very strong. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of resources also um, that you can have. And, you know, maybe I'll be back here with DocJet soon also. All right. So... <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much, Igma Maria. We would love to have you again here. So sana sana we can invite you again. So I'm going to put under this episode the links for the Instagram page and the website of Mami Bia. So thank you so much again for listening. Love and light, everyone. Thank you so much for being here, Mama. I hope this episode gave value to you and has blessed you today. And well, my little boy, Kael, also wants to say something. Hi, I'm Kael. If you liked my mom's episode, please leave a review and subscribe to my mom's podcast. Or if you are already a subscriber, please support this podcast by sharing it to your mom friends. My mom will be super happy. I'm helping her do this so she won't go back to practice and so she can stay with us here at home even more. Yay! That's all! <laughs> Always my funny little vibe, but yes, Mama, if this gave value to you or has touched you in some way, to share this to your friends so we can bless them too. Or you can share it to your stories in Instagram and please do tag me too. I am in Instagram at Mommypedia Podcast and you can also find me in Facebook also at Mommypedia Podcast. And do join my community in Facebook. It's the Mommypedia Room. There's a link right below. You can just click that and it will lead you right inside the community. Thank you so much again, mamas. Till next time. Until then, the doctor is out.